Hello and welcome to the Distributed Republic webcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, for those who haven't come before, welcome. If you are someone who's returning, then all the better for seeing you again. Um, if you haven't seen us before, the Distributed Republic Re uh, webcast explores the impact of decentralization, Web3, the metaverse and AI on our social, economic and political systems. So our mission is to ensure that communities that can benefit the most from the inception of new technologies have the access to resources, expertise to thrive in the digital world. And that's why we have such fantastic guests come on to be able to share their knowledge, their expertise, their experiences and what they're seeing happening in the space for people who are just looking to be able to get into it or people that are very established with what they're doing. So the format of our webcast is it's a discussion format. What generally happens is I'm going to pose some questions to our fantastic guest, Ashley. Um, what we're going to do is have a bit of a back and forth of exploring that question, and then we'll move on to the next one. What we tend to do is we want to minimize the jargon. We want to make sure this is accessible as possible. So we will do our best to make sure that the, the language that we're using is not just, you know, coin terms that we can explain what those terms are. And we'll keep the answers quite short and sweet to be able to go into a lot of detail. But that being said, we're talking about Web3. We're talking about AI. There is so many coin terms uh, and it's difficult to keep track of them all. So if you haven't, if you're hearing words and you're like, I don't understand what that means. I want to be able to find out what that, that actually meant is we have a Web3 terminology guide, which you can download on my stand store, which is www.stan.store forward slash Jamie Beekov Brett. And as we're going through, please feel free to add your questions and comments um, in, in the comment section. What we'll do is we'll have a bit of time at the end and we'll do our best to answer as many as possible. Um, but we want to be able to hear from you. If you want to be able to really leverage the expertise that we have in the room, then it's a fantastic opportunity to be able to do that. So today's webcast is the most subscribed one we've ever had. So thank you, Ashley, for that. But clearly an interesting topic for people, which is deconstructing Web3 marketing and pre-seed investment. My guest today is Ashley King. And Ashley, I'm going to let you do your introduction. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Um, yes, I'm Ashley King. I am the vice president of NFT Minds. Uh, I'm an investor myself, entrepreneur, Web3 enthusiast, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, NFT Minds, we are a software-based, Web3 software-based company. We also um, offer uh, a high level of expertise in marketing in the Web3 space. We also have a unique relationship with investors um, for angel investments and things of that nature, also Series A investments. So yeah, I'm excited to be here, excited to chat with you guys and to kind of give you some of the information that I have. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do it. And even just we were having a bit of chat before the webcast started, but very knowledgeable within this area. So really looking forward to picking your brains and uh, getting as much information as we can, which leads me on to my first question. So what are the key differences between Web3 marketing and traditional marketing tactics? I think this is one that comes up a lot when we're talking to Web2 organizations, um, you know, who want to transition into Web3. So I, I'll, I'll hand over to you to have your insights really on that one. Yeah. Um, so the differences between Web3 marketing and your traditional marketing are really going to be in the sense that traditional marketing is more like a scatter shop. 
Um, and there's a lot of different elements essentially to traditional marketing. Um, but the most specifically I'm going to speak to right now is going to be the scattered shot, the, you know, I'm sure everybody has gotten in, you know, in the States, essentially an AARP piece of mail and, you know, piece of mail. And, you know, in my demographic where I live, about 30% of the population is over the age of 55. That's what AARP is here in the States is for 55 and over. Well, if they're sending that to all current residents and only 30% of the residents meet that demographic, that's traditional marketing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, really? So what they're doing is they're in there. It's an inundation, essentially. So the best way to sum up how web, how marketing on Web3 is, is that we are much more refined. We hone in specifically. So if you had a community um, where individuals 55 and older specifically congregated, that's where mm -hmm. you would want to spend your your the majority of your marketing dollars, right? That's what Web3 is doing. And Web3 mm -hmm. is doing that organically. So what we're seeing is this Web3 has turned a lot of this into an organic space where individuals that are like-minded with the same interests congregate. They create groups specifically pertaining to what their interests are. And that's not just in the States, that's worldwide. So now within Web3, we have the ability to specifically target, hone in on specific groups that are looking at and are specifically interested in a product, a sport, a drink, whatever it may be. And then we can then organically help them to find the way to whatever product it is. So traditional marketing also has a lot of efforts in the intrusive marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Intrusive pop-ups, intrusive marketing, consistent marketing in your face, stopping your videos. Nobody likes that. And there's no space in Web3 for that. What we're seeing in Web3 is it's more organic. It's more native. If you look into Roblox, you have your large companies, KFC, Nike. I could go on and on and on that are advertising within that space. And what they're doing is they're doing it again organically. They're, they're allowing the consumer the opportunity to come to their own to want whatever it is that's there, right? Through marketing efforts that are similar to traditional marketing, but specifically honing in on a, on a particular area. That's why it's so much more powerful um, than the traditional marketing. But that's not to say that we don't take traditional marketing tactics, you know, a lot of the native advertising tactics, a lot of the, you know, marketing content we still use from traditional and digital marketing in the Web3 space. But being able to infiltrate those groups reaching out to those individuals and then having them have more of a sense of an ownership of the space is what's happening more now. And as, as opposed to feeling like you're being sold, it's more of an organic, natural type of space that people are in. And you're not seeing those consistent and constant pop-ups in your face nonstop really is, is the major difference. There's, I could go on for 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just on that quick no, it's it's a really good explanation. I think that that definition of of that targeted marketing is is something that makes it more meaningful in lots of ways. I think the term that's come up quite often uh, more recently, which it maybe started hearing at the end of of last year, which is fan humorism. You know, the ability to be able to sell to your fans of a product. You know, we're talking about building communities and then selling to that community of people. And I suppose that's what's quite different between our, our web two and our web three is when you're, when you've created that community, you have a slight more, you have more of an ownership over it. You have right. more ownership over, over the, that connection and, and the way that you build that relationship rather than just going, I have a product, 
I would like you to buy this product. It's more of a, a dynamic relationship where there's a, a back and forth between between interested parties and people want to buy into products because they're part of the community that's there. I did something with a, a Web3 collectible the other day. I bought one from my favorite football team that's just released their digital collectibles. And it was one of those things I'm like, I know that it's a complete fan humorism approach because I'm a fan of the club. It's their first digital collectible. I want to be able to be involved and have the connection of all the utility that they want to build behind it. And now we've got something where I'm, I feel more part of the club because of that. So it's a great way to be able to look at things moving forward. Exactly. And, and Web3, really, with the marketing and advertising and selling and, and those types of things, it's more based around ownership. It's mm -hmm. not so much based around you're my customer, you're my consumer. It's more, like you said, it's based around ownership, the tokenization, the NFTs, the utility behind them. It's more than just going and buying something, you know, buying a new sports drink, whatever it may be, you were sold that, we were inundated with it, it was marketed, it was found in your local store, you gave it a shot, right? Whereas with these other types of marketing efforts, you you have more ownership in it, more passion behind it, essentially, like you were saying. Fantastic. What I'm going to do is move on to our next question, which is, how has the emergence of Web3 technology changed the landscape of pre-seed investment? I think at this current time, when it comes to the pre-seed investment side and Web3, what we're really seeing um, is when, it, when speaking specifically to uh, my investors um, that are in a sense of more of a traditional investor, the, the concerns that are being raised is, you know, they're worried about their vulnerability, they're worried about being scammed, those types of things. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a new process and it's a new way to invest. The positive note on that essentially is there are different ways to invest in the Web3 because now we have the ability to do DeFi options, financing, financing through decentralized organizations. Um, crowdfunding platforms are becoming more and more and more prevalent to receive funding. Um, and then in addition to that, you have the ability to utilize your traditional type of funding and then merge that into the Web3. And that's really what we've done here at NFT Minds is take traditional ways of funding and merge it with Web3 um, to be able to bring my clients and um, consumers and all those things that the funding needs that they have. Changing uh, landscape of pre-seed investment is something that people are so interested in because people do want to invest within these Web3 spaces. They want to be able to see the utility of these products. And it is the unique opportunity for brands to partner with consumer products that we really, really enjoy and, and, and their communities and be able to start selling to them in a really meaningful way. Um, if we're still having trouble with camera, don't worry. Uh, we can still hear what you're saying perfectly. Um, so feel free if you want to be able to have it off or, or we can try again in a bit. Um, but you're still coming through really clearly. So that's fine. Um, so what are some of the unique challenges and opportunities that come with marketing and securing investment for Web3 projects? Oh, nailing a marketing plan is essential for wooing an investor when it comes to Web3. Because at the end of the day, your investor is going to be concerned with how are they going to get that money? back in their pocket. Um, and with having a marketing plan and an idea of how that's going to be executed is going to be, I would say, the top most requested piece of information from any investor that I receive is how do they plan to sell this? What are they planning to do? How are we making money? Um, and having that marketing plan, helping to secure 
your investment strategy with, or the, I'm sorry, your investor with an investment strategy essentially is going to do is, I'm sorry, excuse me. I'm, I get so messed up because I'm so, I can't see the camera and it's, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Bizarre. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay, it's very bizarre because I'm like, can they still hear me? <laughs> we can hear you perfectly. I can give you a thumbs up. We can definitely hear you coming through. I can't see you, but that's okay. Um, but anyways, so yes. Yeah, so having a marketing strategy and then facing essentially that allows you to explain a marketing strategy is going to break down a lot of the, a lot of what an investor is going to look at into why they would want to invest in your project, because it's also going to tell you who your competitors are. What are they doing in the space? What does the space look like um, for your specific you know, product, your specific idea? What are the case, the use cases for your product? The ones that have happened in the past, the ones that are currently being brought up, all those different types of things are going to essentially be outlined in a good marketing um a good marketing plan. So it mm -hmm. really will roll in helping the investors evaluate your business and your growth by having that marketing plan, that idea behind how you're going to make this ship sail, essentially. What's really interesting about that, and I suppose one of the questions that I definitely have based on what you were saying there, is we're probably in a lot of, when we're looking at Web3 and Metaverse and AI, a lot of it is still in the R&D phase of, of looking through things. So our research and development. Um, how do you find that the investors respond to that information? Because it might, might be quite difficult. We can have a plan, but at the beginning, we're still at the beginning of a lot of these, these projects and it's still very experimental. Um, so have you got like any good examples of where you've seen, you know, like, this is what people are really connecting with or when they utilize this kind of term, terminology or look at it from this angle? Um, it helps our investors to to really get on board with it. So I think what with Web three there are new new things, right? There is going to be really I, what I look at is it's, it's very much a supplement to a lot of what we have already, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're doing something in the Web three space and you're wanting to pitch to it a potential investor and you're wanting to do it, um, let me come up with an example. Mm, I'm under a lot of NDAs, so I got to be careful. So <laughs> So if, we don't do the NDA ones, make it an original. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, essentially you have, you have a, an idea, right? You have an, a, you have a, a, an NFT that you're wanting to sell out. Okay. And you, you're, you're, you're incorporating this in a business plan, right? Mm -hmm. And you're, you're going to utilize your NFT to bring additional value to whatever it is that you're selling. So let's say, you know, and the, the web three space is very abundant with a lot of, clubs, groups, things like that. So let's say someone is specifically interested in uh, computers and a specific mm -hmm. brand of computer. Okay. And so what, what that does essentially is they have the ability to say, Hey, I'm creating this NFT. And every time you buy this computer, you get a discount on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we know that these computers are already being sold. Now we're adding value. It's an, an extra step to value. So anything that you're using in your ideas and your as you're growing, if it's something that's adding value to something that is already in existence, which is pretty common for the majority of the things that are happening, it's an added value. So doing the market research on whatever it is that you are adding that value to or creating, because you're not, you're, it's not brand new. There's nothing that's essentially brand, nothing that has ever come across my desk has just been completely brand new, never heard of before. Um, so you'll always have a way to do your research. I, like I've told people before, I call it nerding out. 
You want to go in and you want to know exactly what your competitors are doing, what the what you know the visionaries who had similar ideas are doing, those types of things. Gather all that research, all that data, and everything, and compile that. Being able to compile that into a strong marketing campaign, and then in addition to that, having a good pitch deck, bringing that to the entrepreneur to the investor. But I think also it's going to specifically pertain to how progressive that investor is and vetting out those types of investors has been challenging. And that's something that I have been doing for the last couple of years is finding investors, angel investors, series A investors who invest in Web3 specifically, because this is the space for everyone. So that's really what, what we're looking at. So I think knowing your product, knowing your product and being humble when given any sort of advice about what you have going on, especially when it comes from an investor. Fantastic. I think that's really, really useful information. And it kind of reminds me of thinking of the the different mindset that's really needed to participate within Web3 environments and finding investors that also have that mindset, because it's an education within itself. You know, we, we've all kind of grown up in an environment where we've we haven't had a lot of sense making of the internet as we've come through it's been you know incepted and and we've kind of started to make sense of it as we go, go through but we've started to develop these narratives and thought processes around it and i can imagine there's a lot of need when we're looking at web3 to start to undo some learning that we might have had that could be very centralized in our approach of the internet and start to look at why decentralization is meaningful so some really good insights there so next question for you is how do you evaluate the potential uh, value and growth of a Web3 project before making an investment? And I'm sure this is a challenge that so many people experience. Is we, we're talk once again, we're talking in the R&D phase. So we're trying to figure out, say, hey, this is a bit of a hunch. We've got some ideas to be able to back this up, but we need to be able to prove that we can uh, add value. So it would, be, it would be great to get your insights on this one. Yeah. So our, I think our efforts in, in making an investment and kind of uh, potent, the potential valuation of, an, of, of a, a project is, is pretty, we've got a pretty good algorithm to help determine what we think is going to be, you know, the value, the appropriate valuation. Um, I think that there are five key factors that really stick out in my mind when I'm going through all of the, the pitch decks and all of the information. And a lot of that has to do with, is the technology scalable? What's the scalability of the technology? Um, what is the level of competition? What is the level of competition looking like? So if I walk into, again, like I said, I'm under a lot of NDAs, so I have to be very careful what I say, but this is just a silly example. Um, let's say I, I move to a new town and I want to open up a bounce house company and I want to deliver bounce houses to five-year-old birthday parties. And there's no one else in this entire town that does this. Is this a good idea? Not necessarily. If no one else is doing it, there may be a reason. Doing your market research and understanding your market, it may just be that no one had the initiative to do that there, or people have, there wasn't a market for it, and it died. Having and knowing and understanding that is super, super important when it comes to getting an investor on board. Having that information is incredibly powerful. Um and then in addition to that, the team behind the project and their past uh, achievements and the uh, use case for their products. If I have a if I have an entrepreneur who comes to me and they have a pitch deck and they're telling me all of these amazing things about this idea that they have and it's the best idea I've ever seen. And then they go and they tell me that they have two or three other projects that have loose ends and aren't finished. That mm -hmm. amazing project that just was at the top of my list has now gone down to like a three or a four. Because now I need to have that commitment for that individual to finish what they've started 
and it needs to be successful. <clears throat> so Some people that love is, being sat as the, you know, that initial bit to be able to go, oh, this is really exciting, but can you get past the novelty? That, exactly, exactly. And so getting past that and, and getting to the point to where you have the ability to complete a product and see what you can accomplish, essentially. Um, it's kind of the burnout phase and it happens to a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of founders. Um, in addition to that, you, you may have the best idea, the best product, the best everything or the worst everything, but the current market conditions are demanding it. So it's really going to be, in, you know, dependent upon the current market conditions. And I would say probably the most one of the most important things for me is going to be the, the partnerships, the partnerships that, they, that you've already established and the ones that are being courted. Um, having a strong team and having good partnerships and continuously having good partnerships is so, so, so important. Founders don't realize that once they get something up and running and rolling, they are inundated by a team that they've created, that they have created and have had sex successes with, right? Mm -hmm. So then what happens is you don't have the ability to have an... Um, and, and uh, constructive criticism coming from an outsider's perspective, essentially, if you're not continuously allowing yourself to court additional partnerships, right? So now you have a product that's amazing, but you're not getting additional ideas. So continuing to court and have those partnerships, those relationships, and shooting holes in your own plans, figuring out how you can fix it, being the person who's 10 steps ahead of what they already think the issue may be, right? That doesn't matter if you are or not, because something else is going to come in that you weren't ready for. But that's neither here nor there. Being ready and prepared for things that are going to come across your plate and having those relationships and building those relationships. Everyone knows it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I think so much to be able to unpack with that. And uh, those partnerships, I suppose uh, one of the difficult things, I think, for a lot of people is if you're a very technically minded individual and you've got these projects up and running, uh, and you know the ins and outs from a technological perspective, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the relationships built there to be able to maximize and capitalize on it and to be able to 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 leverage those networks. So being able to leverage that that network in a meaningful way, I think creates probably the most discomfort within a lot of people that are finding Web3 project, projects at the moment. It's given them the technology and figuring out the problems, happy to do that any day of the week. But then reaching out to people, there's a vulnerability in reaching out with your ideas over something that you care about, over something that you're precious about and putting it up for scrutiny. But I suppose that that is such a key part of being able to get investors on board and involved. Um, so have you found ways that people have said, you know what, this is what I need to get through. I have to, you know, grit, get, grit my teeth, take one day and I just go and email everyone. Or is there a particular strategies that people utilize to leverage those partnerships? Yeah. And I think that being consistent and being on top of yourself, because there are, you know, what we say is there's there's this thing and it's called founder syndrome. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of a lot of stages that founders go through. Right. Because you work tirelessly and you're you're trying so hard to get this this vision off and running. And it seems like you're just hit by roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And then you have a good amount of success, right? And then you're like, oh my gosh, I've made it. I'm doing it. I'm going to the top. And then you get hit in the face by another roadblock. And all too often at that roadblock, that's where those founders die. That's where they mm -hmm. fizzle out. They give up. They do not continue. Uh, a lot of times when I'm talking to investors, that is a question. Have they hit that roadblock yet? Have they been have have they been knocked down? Did they get back up? 
are they are they uh, is this a passion project or is this a business is this a business and a passion project is this a fly by night is this something where you have an amazing idea but you just aren't going to be able to continuously get to it because being a founder and being an entrepreneur is not easy you can have the greatest idea in the world but you're going to continuously get knocked down and you have to be able to get back up and overcome and face those challenges that you're going to see every day and essentially just don't give up <laughs> continue along and the second you think you should give up don't because you're getting really 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 close <laughs> um and, and that's i think you know and be humble be i have a lot of founders who come to me and they say I don't, you know, my, my valuation came back lower. That's not, this is going to, you know, moon and this and that. And I want you to, I'm here with you to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the major more times than not, those individuals come back because they're having a hard time finding funding and they do want to get it to go, but they needed to kind of have that understanding that yes, there are hundreds of thousands of people out here that are doing the same things. We need to have someone who has those humble personality, who's going to continuously work at it, who's going to charge at it, just don't give up. That's I, I think that's the biggest thing that if you have a takeaway, I, I know it's hard. <laughs> I own and operate multiple businesses. I know it's hard and I know every day can be a challenge. It's just within this space, if you've got that idea, you've got to continue to do it and you've got to continue to grow. Um, is really no. I think, the biggest thing. Love, love your answer. I might have to cut it, record it and put it on my phone and have it as like my alarm when I wake up in the morning uh, to just that, that daily affirmation, because that's, that's such a meaningful way. And it's really interesting to kind of hear about investors looking for that second stumbling block and being able to go, you know, how have they overcome? They're not expecting it to have been smooth sailing the whole plan. In fact, they're looking to see that you've kind of had your trials along the way to be right. able to make it meaningful. Cool. So my last question, but before I mention this, anyone who's got any questions, comments or thoughts, please put them in the, the comments bit and we'll see if we've got a couple minutes at the end to be able to answer them. Um, so quick, quite a quick answer for this one, but it's a big question, which is how can founders effectively communicate their vision and value proposition of their Web3 project to potential investors? Okay. Um, I think the, the biggest question I get is what's the utility? What, mm -hmm. what problem are we fixing? And I think that the best way to communicate your vision effectively is going to be able to clearly articulate what problem you're solving and mm -hmm. what you're wanting. Um, at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing. You know, we have a lot of, of things that you're seeing in Web3 that don't hold a lot of utility that are just kind of there, right? But Web3 and the NFT space and, and tokenization, we're, we're it's really transforming more to utility-driven, right? And that's what my investors group is looking for. We're looking for utility specifically in the, you know, Web3 space. Um, so, and and that's something that obviously I think that all investors are looking for because anything with utility has, you know, scalability, those types of things, kind of going down that list of, of the key factors that are, we're kind of looking for. Um, but then also being able to present your business, outline your objectives, have your goals, your milestones, um, all that kind of fun stuff outlined and laid out to be able to do that and to be able to effectively give an idea of what you want. I, I can't tell you how many founders I talk to and they don't tell me what they want. Just tell just if you tell me what you want, then I, then, then I can help you. But it's always kind of a song and a dance around the bush. And the worst thing that can happen is we can say no. But I just have to know what you want, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, can't, you don't even know what you're saying no to if someone hasn't told you what they're after. <laughs> yeah, and, and oftentimes I think yeah. it's because they don't have a 
clear picture of what they're trying to say or accomplish. Mm -hmm. and, and they think they might, um, but it's just, it's just not a very clear picture. And so coming through and, and coming to an investor and having the idea of these, this is what I have. I've already been punched in the face. I didn't give up. I'm continuing to grow. I'm doing these steps. Those are going to be the things along the way that are going to continue to help you. Um, and then through the presentation, you do want to have a good pitch deck. You want to have all of your stuff in a row. Um, it doesn't need to be 30 pages long. It needs to really, it needs to give me a really beautiful explanation of what it is that you want to do, what the utility is, uh, how you plan to achieve that. And then in addition to that, what your team looks like, because that's going to be the bottom line. You know, at the end of the day, I have, you know, clients that come come across. And, and if I have somebody who's an entrepreneur, who is humble, who is hardworking, who is going to do nothing, going to stop at nothing to get this to be a success, that is who I'm going to invest in. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, that's who I want in my corner. Um, <clears throat> so really, I think, yeah. Fantastic. Sounds really, really interesting. I've got one question that I want to go to before we wrap up things. So I want to make sure we've got time uh, from Russell Brooks, which is what are your main tips for creating a, a synergetic and valuable partnership in the space? I have a blank screen, so I can't read your question. Oh. Say that to me again. No worries. Uh, what are your main tips for creating a synergetic and value par valuable partnerships in the space? I think just net networking, obviously getting into real, uh, into groups and things like that, that are going to have individuals that are like-minded. What I'm finding oftentimes in this space are that there are individuals who they enjoy networking, but that's something that's difficult for them to do. And it's not mm -hmm. something that they're enjoying doing. And so it's like this, everything is so heavily around right now you know, the networking side of things and getting to know people. And, and just like this question, how do you, how do you promote synergy within that? If it's not something that you're good at, have someone else do it. <laughs> at the end of the day, if you can't articulate what you want to do, what you're trying to achieve, if you know you're not good at networking, if you know that your, your space is behind the computer and you're working out all of everything and you're, you're doing all the coding and the software and you're, that's your space, Stick to what you're doing best and get someone to be that that networking person for you. If you can have somebody who has that energy, who wants to go out and in and, and get into different, you know, groups and rooms and chat and talk with people. You know, we have tons of people who have great ideas, but you've got to be able to get your idea out. Um, and so creating synergy, it's, it's not about whether or not you are good enough to do it. It's whether or not it's something that suits your strong points. And I'm finding that oftentimes a lot of people, it doesn't, doesn't suit their strong points and they do find other people to do it. And as a founder, you find that you're not just marketing. You're not just CTO. You're not just the financial chief. You know, you, you do all of the hats and it comes a point to where you are spreading yourself so thin that you have to find someone else. You have to partner up with someone else and give them that opportunity. But getting into Discord groups, getting in on Twitter, um, we actually have a Web3 Entrepreneur Workshop that um, NFT Minds, my company, will be will be setting up and starting. Um, and that's going. We're going to be pulling in a ton of. Um, a ton of people giving out really good information and continuing to allow people to meet and talk to, um, you know, people that are like-minded within their groups and, and even in the investment strategy. But if you're asking specifically, how do you get an investor? Um, <laughs> traditional investors that are kind of more progressive and going into the Web3 space, it was calling, calling, mm -hmm. talking constantly. It's almost like 
door to door, but on the phone, just picking up and calling. And that's really what I did to be able to secure some of the relationships that we have. I've, I called hundreds of investors and made relationships. So it's about what you want to do. Did it suck? Sure. Did I like doing it? No. You know how many times I got told to shove off? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Because for every hundred no's, you get a yes. That's really, really good advice. Um, I'm going to wrap up there. There is a question just as a bit of a follow-up uh, from the information you've had there, but that workshop sounds fantastic. Where can people go to sign up for that workshop and get, get involved with um, the, the, the utility you were just talking about? Um, I'm going um, and right now. We have it up. We have it going. We haven't actually in, allowed anybody in just yet. What I can do is I'm going to get you um, anybody who is interested. If we could, I get I can get Brett to get the information mm -hmm. over, um, so that way they can they can join. But there, I will be putting up uh, a ton of information um, and having the individuals on my team um, ask you know people being able to do essentially this and have people come and ask us directly because I want people to have the resources to get into web three more than that. that that's what my passion is. And I want to share that with everyone so we can, I'm heavily invested in web three. You're heavily invested in web three. We know this is what technology is going to be in the future. Let's continue to be supportive and inclusive to all and allow everyone to have a piece and a say in the space. So I want to be able to give my insight and my, my nerd. I look like a cheerleader, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd. It's a disguise. <laughs> it is. It's a disguise. I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> so I, if I can share my nerd out sessions with people, I, I would love to do that. Ashley, thank you so much for your time, your energy, your insights. I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you. Just hugely, hugely appreciative. And I'm sure lots of people that are, are listening in as well um, are. And hopefully we can uh, start to connect this space together a lot more. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm sorry about the technical difficulties that thumbs me up, but I'm glad that there's a clear, I, on my end, I can't move my mouse or do anything, but I'm glad that there was a clear enough communication that you can hear me. I also wanted to let anybody know that if they wanted to reach out to me to have any of their ideas, um, you know, looked at anything like that too. Um, we do have angel investors now at this point and series A investors, but it's admin at nftminds.co. So I don't know if you wanted to look at that, but I'm happy to chat with anybody, my, my team, my partners. I mean, we're happy to to share any information. And if you have something that you would like us to look at to even go over things, um, I also help my clients go over, you know, all of their pitch decks and all that kind of fun stuff. So it's really a plethora of knowledge. And, and if it's something that you're interested in, please reach out to me because I, I don't bite. <laughs> What I'll do is I'll make sure in the descriptions and comments of all of these videos that we, we've shared those links to, so people can connect with you as well. Um, fantastic. So if you that's the end of today's episode. Uh, if you're looking to join our community or apply to be a guest, you can do so by visiting www.distributedrepublic.xyz. We've got a bunch of resources and materials, developing courses as well to try and give you as much value as possible. Um, so do feel free to come and join. Um, and if you want to download any of the resources that we've spoken about, go to www.stan.store uh, forward slash Jamie Beekov Brett. Um, and if you think you could benefit from workshops like this for your organization or communities, then do get in contact because we'd love to be able to help. Ashley, once again, thank you so much. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks, Jamie. My pleasure.